0: Hello, and welcome to
1: For Your Listening Pleasure, a podcast focused on talking with interesting and diverse individuals and discussing how their backgrounds shape them into the people they are today. I am your host, Mallory Waxman. Today on For Your Listening Pleasure, I'm excited to be welcoming Megan Sinise. Megan is a principal and co-founder of Stage, a women-owned marketing and business development company focused on relationships, revenue, and growth for lawyers at all levels. Stage is changing the script on marketing and business development through co-source and fractional offerings. They are one of the first in-house legal marketing teams to launch an external venture and support working parents with free business development coaching before and after returning from paternal leave. In this episode, Megan and I talk about the art of networking and how to authentically build stronger and more impactful relationships. Listeners, before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about my new favorite kitchen gadget, the Berry Blaster. I don't know about you, but I love fresh strawberries during the warm summer months. The only downside is I hate how much fruit is wasted when you cut off the top of the strawberries. Well, I recently found the Berry Blaster, which helps prevent fruit waste, and all you have to do is pop off the tops and your berries are ready to eat. You don't need to be a savant in the kitchen to use the Berry Blaster, and it's even safe for children of all ages to use. The best part is the Berry Blaster contains no sharp knives, it's dishwasher safe, and it takes up little to no space in your kitchen. To learn more about the Berry Blaster, visit the link in this episode's show notes or go to Amazon and search Berry Blaster. Lastly, check them out on Instagram at theberryblaster and give them a follow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the For Your Listening Pleasure podcast. And I just, before we kind of get into it, I really want to give a shout out to a former podcast guest, Erin Gallagher. Because of her, we met. She has a women networking group called Ella, and I'll put the link in it for listeners to go and search. But she does these um, events in different cities called the Fairway Dinner. And that is where you and I connected earlier in March. So I'm so grateful that you are going to come and talk about your story with listeners, because when I heard about it at the dinner, I was just so inspired by the risk you are taking and also how much you believe in yourself and saw this void. So for listeners who maybe don't follow you on LinkedIn, would you mind just giving a brief introduction and then we'll kind of dive into your story?
0: Yes. And so I'm so glad you started off with... um the fairway dinner because I was actually going to use that exact construct that we went around the room. So thank you, Erin, for introducing us to this, to this kind of setup. And so this is a, I was, and I am, I'm going to pause it there, but it, it goes into who I was, which was, I, I was in-house at a top in law. So American lawyer, um, big law law firm for the last 16 years. And I am now a co-founder and a principal at stage uh, which is a woman-owned company focusing on marketing and business development for lawyers and professional services. I'm also a mom, sister, wife, whatever, but um, that's like the main kind of the main focus. So, uh, at this current moment, depending on when this airs, we have been open. We stage have been open for seven weeks. We left. So there's there's three of us. There's three women uh, left big law to. Uh, jumped off a cliff and started her own, started her own thing to, to, to see, kind of take that show on the road. So as I have been growing
1: both in my personal career, as well as in the networks that I am choosing to be a part of, Mm -hmm. um, what is, I find so fascinating is a lot of women one day kind of wake up and think, I don't want to just be in this grind that, they have bigger dreams, aspirations, and knowledge that they can provide. And I feel like I've been kind of going through this big shift, but you talked about being at a big law firm for 16 years. We are kind of trained. I don't know if that's the right word, but kind of encouraged. We're encouraged to go to college, get a good job, have the paycheck, do the steps, climb the ladder. And I think that we have been told to do this. And we believe, well, if we follow the rules and we do the things we're supposed to do, that will lead us to a bigger career, a bigger paycheck, and hopefully happiness. But a lot of women that we met at that dinner and other podcast guests I've talked to, they kind of hit this wall and they're like, there's got to be more to this, or I can start or do something better. Can you talk about those 16 years, what that experience was like for you in within the law firm?
0: Yes, so I love to kind of start off where I'm not a lawyer. Um, and sometimes people are uh, excited that I'm not a lawyer, and uh, they're like, "Oh, good, thank God!" And then other times, they're like super disappointed. They're like, "Oh, well, I really wanted to like ask you some questions, or like, oh, maybe you're not as smart as I thought. Like, like you were a lawyer, not you're now you're not. Oh, okay. Um, so it, there's there's been a little bit of that too. Meaning, when you're in house, kind of behind the scenes, that's where that is where we're comfortable, and that is what we're doing now in our in our current iteration of our life. Um, I started at always at big firms. So I was at an accounting firm first, and then I jumped around from several other big laws, big companies, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of lawyers. And I think my, my aspiration was always just to keep moving up, just keep moving up, get more, get a bigger title. I, I jumped around very millennial um, ask of, of me, I'm an elder millennial, like, well, well, let's not get into that. So I uh, jumped around to to get that pay increase every time I jumped. And so I was at quite a few firms. And every time that I was at that firm, I'd get promoted and I'd get a pay raise. And that all felt really good. Um, very kind of focused, accomplished, driven. I think at some point I realized I didn't want to be CMO. That was like the ultimate, like kind of end all for me, right? The title that like the highest title I could achieve would be CMO, and there's it's a tough job to be a CMO at any firm or any corporation but for from my perspective with a law firm there's a lot of navigation in terms of the political components of what that firm looks like there's a lot of navigation on resources and sometimes you just can't do your job effectively and i wanted to be in charge of my own kind of narrative and my own career and I just didn't know what that looked like. I just knew I didn't want to be a CMO. And so I guess I was chasing the money for a while and, and that's great. Um, but yeah, there was this kind of shifting point that I wanted something more. I just didn't know what that more was. And I know you and I talked about this, like we could get into like the, I want circle if you want. Um, But that it was probably maybe three years ago, like probably right at right, the start of the pandemic, right? Like where I knew I wanted something, I just didn't know what that was. And when you're in a support role, when you're admin, you're a non, non, non lawyer, non partner, non billable, non client facing, non man. Um, there was just a lot of like negative positioning. And it's not like, And at any fault of anyone, there's been a shift in the legal marketing community to say like, we are business professionals or um, we are revenue generators and things like that. But there was this big kind of shift towards like what that more looked like for me.
1: And you're speaking on so many points that I think I have started to question. I also, my dream is to be a CMO because that is like the ultimate step when you're in the marketing field. But at the same time, you are that supporter. You're the one making everything happen in the background. So if you're in sales, that's great. You're bringing in business. But if you didn't have marketing to create those one-pagers or decks or tell the brand story, you wouldn't be able to sell. If you are representing clients, you still need all these marketing. But marketing is always that ugly, redheaded stepchild that is the first to get cut. But it's also the one that's really so pivotal in businesses success, but it's not looked at like that. And then also being a female in marketing, you are, it's a little bit different too, because you are almost fighting even more to show that you belong at the table and your worth, but also that marketing is important as well. And it's a very weird dynamic. And as I've started talking to more people within the marketing industry, I'm happy to know I'm not alone.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so interesting for legal marketing is that there's, it's full of women, just like chock full of women. Um, But then when you get outside your department, it's a lot of men. I mean, there's plenty of women lawyers and we, I think part of the, another part of the reason for why stage exists is we want to help women lawyers in addition to men, right? But we want to help women lawyers. They're not always um, given maybe the same, opportunities or the same resources. So like any kind of underserved group of lawyers where we want to help them and give them that kind of one-to-one support. That's where we love to kind of play. Is that just like direct conversation with them and, and coaching them through how to, how to get more clients and, um, and deepen their relationships. But yeah, from the marketing side, you, there was a lot of kind of fighting, particularly when I was in my 20s, which I am not anymore, where I was like the youngest, I just graduated. And I was the only woman in the room in a support position, walking into like a room full of like, male partners, and then having to be like, well, I think it'd be a great idea if you did an event, you know, or something like that. It just, there was some kind of toughness that was formed for me, in terms of how I had to show up, and um, what I needed to wear, and how I sat at the table, if I got to the room first, where I sat, I mean, there was a lot of positioning to ensure that I was taken seriously. And yeah.
1: I went Uh, through the same thing. I don't know if it was a conscious decision, but like I have just chosen to always wear black. Yes. I feel like very powerful in that. I don't want to wear florals or colors because I don't want to be seen as not serious. Um, I have super curly hair and I've always worn it straight and very professional versus like my natural hair texture. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I had a colleague told me that when I had my hair curly, it reminded him of his daughter. Whereas like he needed to listen and he was a stakeholder and cross-functionally and if i remind you of your child you're not going to actually listen to my expertise so it's interesting that we make these choices where to sit what to wear how to show up so much more deliberately because of wanting to be taken seriously for our expertise whereas i don't know if it's the same um, for men it right. would be an interesting dialogue but yeah. in- you mentioned at the start of the pandemic, you started questioning, and I think everyone started questioning work-life balance, quality. When you're seeing so much death happening, you're really wondering, like, is this how I want to spend my life? But you actually, when we talked last time, you worked with your husband and started to kind of put things in place to make the jump. Can you talk about that so people don't think you just decided Wait- on right? a whim? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it. it- It seems like that on the, at the onset, I think, you know, I, so during the pandemic, I'm very lucky, right. And privileged that I was inside. I had a job. I didn't get laid off. Nobody in my family was sick. Nobody that I knew died. We, we were very fortunate and I we have two working parents, me and my husband working inside our house. So we were very lucky and fortunate everyone's boat is different i think is kind of the phrase that people started using right like, we're all on a rowboat but everyone's boat might be different i don't know whatever but but i think it was the most intense time for everybody but from my perspective since you asked me um it was the most intense time that i've like ever experienced for being a working parent um producing content for work it was actually the most creative i had ever been in my entire career and i i loved it and i was thriving in it i was exhausted you know my husband and i were it was just at the height of like everybody every single thing was a zoom call every single thing so we're like who is this who has a talking call is how we were shifting working upstairs working downstairs like every other hour between having two children at home i had two under three we kept hearing like sirens going by okay so i'm getting off track but it, it, once that like immediate kind of crisis of like, are we going to lose our jobs? We started saving money kind of then mainly because my kids were home from daycare. Right? <laughs> we weren't paying daycare. So we started s- sacking away money. And then the, the really kind of like the buckling down of like, we, this isn't how I want to live. I don't want to do this in this way anymore. Like I don't want to be working like this for the next 10, you know, something, 15, 20, you know, I'm like, I have a lot of years of working left. I I have more years alive, you know, than I've worked, I hope. And that is not, I don't want to do that. And I don't know if this is like an early midlife crisis, or it's just the time. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm 37. I'm not super old. I'm not super young. Like, I don't like, I don't know what really happened. But a lot of the people that I am talking to in this general age are all kind of like, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) And so that started this exploration of what more was like. Um, And then, and I can get into like, you know, about a year ago is when my co-founder, so I have two, so Jennifer Ramsey in, in California, and then, Kathleen Hilton in DC but Jen she was on this Peloton and they said why not you like why not you be the CEO of your own life and she's like that's what got me thinking and then she asked you know Kathleen and I like why not us and I don't think I ever really thought about it or maybe I had in the past but I was like no no I can't I can't work for myself like I'm not going to give up my big salary and and benefits and, and stability and 401k match and health insurance and all those things to like launch my own thing. And so when she did kind of bring up the idea, it was on a Friday and I had a panic attack for like the whole weekend Um, where I'm like, is this something I can do? Like, why not us? Why not us? And then by Monday I was like, yep, let's do it. We're in, I'm in. And all three of us were in and we started, that's when I really started making changes to my finances to prepare for this big move to take that leap
1: it's interesting to talk about that because someone put an idea in my head and I was like I'm never gonna I don't want to run my own ship I don't want to but it's like once the seed is planted and it's in your head the idea and the possibility just starts to grow and it's like that tree of wow I could do this what would that look like? how would I do this? what are the steps I need to take to achieve that? Is it saving money? Is it doing a side hustle while you're working your nine to five for a little while till you get your like feet wet right and but I feel like you know when something comes in to your orb and an idea or an inspiration and if it sticks and it scares you I was always told if it scares you it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. I had heard that too. I mean, I don't know if I would give that advice to my children because I'm like, please make safe decisions. But <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like,
1: don't jump, like don't jump off a roof. But I think that if you are in a job and something scares you about it, yeah. then you should lean into that. And yeah. it's okay. Also, if you go down that road of exploration, and then you're like, you know what, actually, This doesn't fit with or align with what I want my life to look like. It's okay. But at least you've explored it or looked into it a little bit more. So you're not 20 years down the line wondering, well, what if I would have thought about working for myself or starting a business?
0: That's exactly it. And I think this is the part where I will talk about this. Like what I think of as like very woo-woo. I want circle. And so maybe two years ago, so three years, like out of the pandemic, I knew I wanted something. I was interviewing for stuff. Nothing felt right. I also knew how rare it was to find two women managers who were above me, um, who are older than me, that I wanted to replicate that relationship where they supported me. They guided me. They um, were totally understanding that I had little children at home and um That is, to me, really kind of rare. And there's every time I was interviewing for a new role, a bigger salary, a bigger title. There was lots of things about the job I didn't want to do. And then I also was like, that doesn't have Jenna and Kathleen. And that has been such a. You know, we have very different skills, but they're all very complementary to each other. And I knew I wasn't going to get that again. Right. And so I'm like, well, if I'm just trying to like replicate this. So I did. So Kathleen introduced me to somebody, um, Laura English, and she had told me about this. She's like, it's a little woo woo for you, like New York girl in black. Right. But it's called an I want circle. And it sounded ridiculous. And I remember doing it and being like, well, this is bullshit, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you draw a big circle and you write all the things you want inside the circle. And on the outside, you write what you don't want. And I did it like two years ago. And I think at the year mark, I was like, this circle is stupid. Nothing happened. Like nothing from this circle happened. But I do think writing it down helped me turn down jobs because I was getting offered jobs. I just didn't want them. And because I had written down these things in the circle, like I wanted to be supportive. I wanted uh, supported. Uh, I wanted to work from home. Um, I wanted to have autonomy I wanted to control my own narrative. I wanted to be in charge. Um, I wanted flexibility. So like I had written down all of these things and wanted women. I wrote women to be on top is what I wrote in the circle. And I don't remember writing being like, I don't even know what that means, but that's what I want. Like I want women to be on top is what I wrote in the circle. And so two years later, I actually feel like that I want circle is more true than it was when I wrote it. Um, it, because I think I had Chris, it was crystallized for me in terms of getting really clear on what I wanted that next step to be, and it wasn't just jumping at any firm that was dangling a lot of money at me, which I could have done. It wasn't, you know, I was like looking at B corps. Maybe I need to go work for a B corp where they like care about people, and and I, I like animals, right? Like maybe I need to work for like a animal company. I don't. It was just kind of like all over the place, and I think that. I think the timing was right. I think if this was brought up to me, you know, three years ago, I'm like, get out of here. I can't quit my job. Are you crazy? You know? And now I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's quit our jobs. Let's let's light it on fire. Well, it's interesting because I'm
1: starting to realize I sometimes approach certain situations from a scarcity mindset. It seems like more women I talk to, a lot of them do the same, which is like, You're worried about a job. You're worried about the financial stability. You're worried about how it's going to look You're taking the first offer you're getting because it has a high paycheck, but is it really like aligning with what you want or what will make you happy? And so it's interesting because people talk about manifestation and I don't think people realize how much that really works, that it's the biggest tool we really have. So even if you know, you did the I want circle two years ago, but you kept looking at it. So you were kind yes. of making choices subconsciously to align with what was either on your wall or something you were looking at all the time. And therefore you did manifest what you wanted because you were clear about what you wanted and you were able to use that as a filter to filter yes. out what, what, what didn't align in your circle.
0: Yeah. I mean, I... I think at the time I was like, this is stupid, I know, this isn't working, this is so like, whatever. But I think it is what stopped me from, I pulled myself out of a couple of interviews where I'm like, I don't think this is a good fit. Whereas I don't think I would have done that previously. Uh, I've always just gotten, been, been very focused on like some kind of metric, right? It's a bigger title, and I want 30% and I've always been really good at negotiating more money for myself. And I'm very proud of that. And I think there's some value that was, even as now we're in this new like life, um, giving up what that looked like in terms of like, I had a kind of associated big paycheck um, or high salary with worth. And I wanted to kind of move away from that. And like, granted, I am in a complete position now where we, like, I got to a certain point. I, My husband and I did this decision together. Like, we are comfortable. Like, not everybody can make the decision to like, just quit your job and like launch a business when you have bills to pay.
1: You had privilege. And I think that's a big thing. You're not saying like, everyone should do this. It was a very big privilege that you were able to do this. So, And it's not an easy thing, but you still had, you know, you weren't a single mother, you weren't supporting sick parents, you weren't had these other responsibilities and a lot like wouldn't have allowed you to make this choice. So there is like, I think every opportunity, there's something around it with like either luck, timing and privilege. And for sure, privilege is a new one I am adding to that besides just like luck and timing, because there is privilege if you can take time off or start, you know, your own firm.
0: Right. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, I'm like, I don't know if I believe in like luck, but I think like there's definitely some, like there's some grit, but for sure privilege in that I'm like, I am able-bodied, like I'm uh, married. Like there's so many things. There's so many pieces to my life that are privileged and white. you know, I live in suburbia, right? (laughs) You know, there's, there's a lot to that, but it, and I am appreciative of that. And it also is, helps shift it in terms of how you're talking about it right it's not like well everybody should just like work for themselves and you'll have this great life well not if you can't afford it right or like and we'll see right <laughs> we're we're new um and we're hoping that this is a, a light, like a long a long career and a long longevity behind our, our new company that so let's talk about Stage. It's a women-owned yeah.
1: business development and marketing venture focused on relationships, revenue, and growth for legal services. Yes. How did you come up with the name Stage? Because I remember you telling me that story. I thought that was interesting. And then also just share a little bit about who are your clients? How how do you guys help them?
0: Yes. So uh, I'm trying to think, I think Kathleen is really the one who just kind of came up with it. And we what we loved was that we were putting our lawyers kind of center stage or putting the client center stage and putting the spotlight on them. And that's where we feel like the majority of our work has been for the last, you know, I, I'm 16 years. I think Jen and Kathleen, um, have a lot more than that. I don't know if they want me to say how many years of experience they have, but we, to get together as a trio, we have like 55 plus years of like professional service experience. So we're a super seasoned team and we worked together in-house before and we left together um, as a team, which is pretty impactful. And we really wanted to like show up in a way that our fellow like BD colleagues knew that we weren't here just like bum r- r- roll over them, bulldozer them. Um, I don't know if this has happened to you where you're in-house and you're the marketing person. And then the consultant comes in and says the thing that you've been saying for the last like six years. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, that's a great idea that the consultant said. And so that is infuriating. Yeah, And so even I'm having like some inner conflict with like, now I'm a consultant to address that. What we adopted is called a co-sourced model. So we're doing it with the team and it's really about setting up that BD professional, business development and marketing professional, for success, so that they are front and center. And if there's something that you, the the marketing professional, hadn't been able to like get done successfully because no one is listening, we'll repeat it then, right? Like if there's some kind of secret message that you want to like whisper to us, so that we can turn around and whisper and say, "Well, we heard that." I'm going to use the name. Mallory has been saying this, and then I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Mallory, that was such a great idea!" So. We try to do this in a way that is putting basically everybody else kind of front and center and shining the light on them, um, but with a slight twist in that I think people just really want connection right now, and I think it is a way to differentiate yourself um, And I think that is part of where, like, that's the opportunity that you and I got to meet each other. And if we can bring that to lawyers and their clients, I think that they will have a deeper connection, of course, with their, with their contacts to know a little bit about them and also like what, how to help them. And so we're behind the scenes coaching on developing deeper relationships with their clients and their contacts, but at every kind of step of the way. So if you don't know what to say to your client, like we can help you. If you don't know how to track them, like we can help you. And it's just about being like a human, um, which sounds kind of negative, but it's about taking away some of that like thought process so that the lawyer can focus on delivering legal services and we can take care of that burden for them.
1: And as someone who's in the marketing profession, I think it's actually great when you do bring in outside voices or you do get a second opinion, more or less. Now I've been in the position where I've been saying something till, you know, I lose my voice and someone else comes in, and says the first thing, and everyone goes, Yeah, that's great. I'm like, Okay, I've been saying that yeah, for years. Right. But at the same time, I know where my strengths lie as a marketer. I know how my brain work works. And I'm sure you guys with three different brains, three different methods, three different experiences working with all different ranges can provide a great sounding board for firms, marketing departments to work in tandem, to say, well, what's the problem or what's the goal and come up with a more creative approach than if you kept it all in-house. I'm a very big believer that I don't think marketing should always be hired within because you end up n- losing a lot of the creativity, outside knowledge, outside experience to help drive and be innovative when you're only really listening to in-house marketing. And I don't know if, if I'm you're shooting listening. my, yeah, if you're listening, I don't know if I'm <laughs> shooting myself in the foot with that as someone who's. Like helps run in-house marketing, but I still will connect with outside individuals within my network to say, I'm playing around with this idea. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I think that's putting, bringing in like a growth mindset in-house. And I don't know if a lot of firms do that. And so some firms do, some don't. And I think sometimes you can have, having an outside perspective as also allows that company or consultant or expert to say things say things that perhaps maybe your marketing department is afraid to so there's another like kind of benefit um or
1: sometimes it's not really being afraid to there's too many political issues where marketing can't say what they want to say but when a company actually is spending resources on bringing an in outside voice then right all politics aside like you're going to listen because you're dedicating resources to get this knowledge and right, I, that exactly. I think is what I've seen more than necessarily like not being listened to it's more like you can't really have a voice when there's certain policies or politics in play which I'm sure all listeners are nodding along because we've all seen yes. it yeah, yeah. yeah. it it's doesn't tricky. matter what firm what division what industry yeah. there's always something
0: there's always something, right? And so, I mean, I get it. It's tricky. It's a tricky place, and I think that's part of it. that. Was another like, there's so many. Re- I think people keep asking, like, why? Like, why are you guys doing this? And we're like, so my first answer was like, ah, I don't know. But but I actually feel like there's a lot of reasons. And being in being in control of of my own company and working with people that I that I love, um, and having a voice is like big driver it's a big driver
1: so you said it's 7 weeks old when i met you the first time it was 3 or 4 weeks old yeah. and i remember sitting next to you at the dinner and just being like wait 3 or 4 weeks ago you launched this company which immediately what the word that came to my head was brave given hmm. the environment we're in recession yeah. layoffs all these things that you were like no i'm going to actually help create something to help companies what has the first seven weeks felt like for you guys
0: Hmm. like I don't I the that word brave has been used a lot actually to like to me and I'm like I don't know if that resonates with me so much I'm like is it brave I'm not sure um you know there's so many people being laid off it feels um like I think again that's where like my privilege is showing like that I'm just gonna like launch this own thing. But I do think it helps address address some of the gaps, right? Where if you don't, maybe the company doesn't necessarily have headcount or resources for a full-time person, we offer fractional services. Um so that that's one way to address that. But in terms of what the seven weeks has been like, it's been, it's been terrifying, um, exhilarating. There are some days where I'm like, is this my real life? Is this work like and and it just feels surreal I'm like I don't know it's hard to kind of articulate exactly what it's been feeling like every day has been busy which I think I'm still surprised by that I've been able to like fill up time with like prospecting and pitching and uh, and meeting people and and then branding myself and I think there's something to be said about being on the other side right so for so long i had been in-house telling the lawyers like you need to go and like network and you need to go and sell yourself and get out there and do the work and write things and be on podcasts and 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 then also deliver legal services and so now it's like tables have turned and in a lot of ways i'm like i love this this is this is great (laughs) this is awesome and this feels like this is exactly where i'm supposed to be right now who knows what the next like They're like, well, what will happen in five years? I have no idea. Right? Like, I hope we're hiring people, and um, I'm just trying to take it like week by week because if I go beyond that, I start to get a little, I get a little panicky. But it's been, I've been really surprised by how open and gracious people have been in reaching out. Um, I don't know if it's because of LinkedIn and like I'm posting lots of stuff and people are just connecting but I had kind of grown up with I think the same way that we were talking earlier about this like idea that like the business world is big and bad and scary and maybe it is and maybe I'm just being naive at this current juncture but I've had nothing but people being like really open and willing to uh sit and chat and ask who I need to be introduced to and then you know I'm introducing them to people and it's been really like nice and I think that's the part that I'm still kind of looking around being like where am I like what is this
1: <laughs> you hit on something that I want to dive into a little bit and that's networking i have mm-hmm. made a conscious choice to really dedicate this year to networking if i get invited to events or dinners or whatever it could be. I say yes, because I just, you never know who you're going to meet. And I have met some incredible people, including yourself through different networking events. And I think as a female, it's so important to network and to meet other um, individuals in your industry, but also not in your industry. You never know where your paths are going to cross but how has like networking and your network really benefited you not only in these seven weeks, but for you to feel confident enough to take that jump?
0: Yeah. So because we had this like big secret, right. That we were going to launch this company. Um, I, I really tried to start building like my profile, like on social media first, which is kind of behind the scenes. And I was afraid. I was afraid that people were going to like, know somehow that like I was doing this and I was posting content and why are you posting this and who are you? And it's so self-serving. And I think once I kind of got over that thought that posting content is self-serving, like, yeah, it is self-serving. And I'm, I'm here to serve myself. Like this is to help me. This is what networking is about. Um, Once I kind of got over that, I'm, I think I got more comfortable, but I also think you should just network in the way that you feel comfortable, right? Like there's no, like, so Jen, I love to tell this story. Jen loves to network in big, like networking receptions and conference rooms and things like that. I hate that. That's not my jam. Like I'm really, I love, I'm very talkative. I have lots to say, like I'm on a podcast, like writing on LinkedIn, like I have a lot of things to say, but I don't, I don't thrive in like that big setting, I would love to be on stage, but it's very strange. And someone else can probably unpack that for me, right? Like, what does that mean? But um, so I feel like if I know that about myself, that networking kind of on a one to one is the place that I feel more comfortable is the place that I show up as like my authentic self is the place where I don't have to stress out and freak out about nailing down my elevator pitch, you know, for a 30 second introduction that I have more time to like story tell, then like, that's what I should do. And if Jen loves to like network in big events, that's what she's going to do. You know, and if Kathleen likes to do one-to-one and, and make friends at, you know, the places, different places that she goes, because she always runs into someone and she always connects them with people, then she should do that. Right. And that's kind of the approach that we've taken when we're talking to our lawyers as well, right? Like not, I don't think it's a one size fits all and like throw out the playbook third eye and do what you feel comfortable with because that people are going to be drawn to be drawn to that. I hope.
1: <laughs> no, I think you hit it on that, on that. You have to show up as your authentic self. And there's times where when I'm talking to someone, I can tell they're not They don't want to be there or they're tired or whatever it can be. And so really understanding your strengths, understanding what works for you and what doesn't, and then using again, that filter to be able to say, yeah, I'm happy to come to a massive conference, but you know, Jen, you take the lead with networking and then I can kind of watch and maybe connect with one or two people, but this is not like, I don't want to work a room, right? I would rather do like a smaller dinner setting where you can have deeper conversations one-on-one with a smaller group and it's really just understanding how you how you work
0: yeah well and I think you said like saying yes so I mean not to keep coming back I mean it was amazing so why not let's keep going back not to keep coming back to the fairy dinner but that was like any other like no event I had ever been to that was my first event and I I agree I got you know, the information or invited, I'm not even sure what the right word is. I think my first reaction would be like, nope, I'm not doing this. Like, I can't do this. I don't belong here. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And, um, there's like, who am I going to talk to? There's no one's going to want to talk to me. And I don't think this is for me. Um, and I think that's where like, you know, Jan and Kathleen were like, well, maybe you should just like, think about it a little bit more. And i was like, all right, I'm going to go. And then I was like, you know, of course, happy to report. I was like, imagine a a room full of me, full of me, people who were like, yes, girl, you know, anyway. And so I think it's just being a little bit more open to things that are like, maybe just a little, be your authentic self, do what feels comfortable, but like push a little, like push just a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to think about that dinner, I was in town in New York for a bunch of different reasons and saw that Aaron was going to be doing that. And so I was like, I'm going to go. And It's scary sometimes walking into a room full of badass, talented women. I think I was probably one of the youngest individuals there. It's kind of scary when you don't know anyone. You don't have that life preserver to kind of save you. Or like a colleague that you guys can kind of buddy and team up. So- really going and talking to who's there. And then once you start talking, you're like, oh my God, you are just like me. You're driven, you're doing yeah. this, you're doing that. And you're starting to learn. And the vibe in the room was something I've never experienced before. I ended up going to the fairway dinner in Chicago because she hosts them once a month here. And yes, it's a, it's an investment. It's not like, right. it's not an investment, but so much so where- I think I'm going to just go every month because of the fact that the feeling you get, you are walking out glowing, thinking like you've yes. met mentors, you met people that you can uh, connect with that personal, personally and professionally. You can dive in right. and share about what you your shared experiences are. And it's just such a group and a community that I've never experienced before. And for listeners, you're interested in Ella and the Fairway. I'll put all of this in this episode's yes, show so notes. Good. It was so good. The investment's worth it because you're meeting people like this is how we connected. And there's exactly. going to be a lot more podcast guests coming on through Ella that are women just doing incredible things that are just so inspiring. And my hope is that, you know, maybe a listener's listening and saying, like, oh, I can start my own business or, oh, you know what? Like, I can my company could use stage. You never know how it might elevate you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was just, I think actually not knowing anybody was terrifying of course, but I also think it was part of what made it so great. Right. There wasn't like, there was groups of people with their backs. I feel like that's my experience with like networking events that you walk into a room and there's like circles of people all with their backs, you know, out into the room. And so you're like, Oh, how am I going to like, break into this. And I think because the majority of people maybe didn't know each other or didn't know each other that well, it is what allow people to be really open and be like, well, I don't know anybody either. And they're like, me either or me either. And everybody just kind of clicked. And it was great. It was like, yeah, it was like nothing I had ever been to. And, um, you know, you were talking about this investment and, you know, I agree with that. And actually, one of my really close friends, when I was complaining about like, I don't, you know, thinking about this and, Making the jump and like getting rid of your salary and moving to this like sales position, essentially, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I can like give it all up and and she's like, but it's an investment, like it's an investment in yourself, like that's way more, like that's worth so much more, and I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, so and I just keep trying to remind myself of that, and you know, I everything that I've ever kind of set my mind to do, I've done, I've done well. I've been promoted at every place that I've been at. So like, why not this? Um, and so I have to just keep being mindful of that. And there's, t- there's three of us, right? So we take turns, like we're not all allowed. We kind of have this like running joke. Like we can't all be in a bad mood at the same time. Like we have to take, t- we have to take turns so that the others can like, you know, uh, so it's, there is some comfort in that there's, it's not just me. Um there's there's three of us also means there's three families you know that we have to help but there's three of us
1: yeah well i'm so excited to see how stage grows it's just so inspiring <laughs> and it's like in its inf- infancy and to see where it's going yeah. to go and i'm just excited to watch the process and the journey for you again thank you so much for coming on i end every episode with the final three questions and the first yeah. question is, if you had a quote or a mantra that you live by, what would it be?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I can do hard things. Um, actually, Kathleen got each of us um these like really nice bracelets, and it's engraved inside, and we we wore it the day that we gave our notice. <laughs> um, so it was like this solidarity. But I can do hard things.
1: I love that. The second question is, if you could relive any one day, which day would you choose?
0: Yeah, that's a lovely one. Um, I'm going to go with like positive. I would I would relive my wedding day. I think it was just like a fun day. It was one of the like kind of only big events in my life that was like happy, um, that like went exactly the way that I wanted it to. I married my husband and it was just about us. And I don't know if you really get that many kind of events where like, it was my husband. and I did exactly the way that we wanted because so we paid for it. So we didn't have to answer anybody. And so <laughs> it was perfect. Right. And that I, I love that day.
1: No, that's beautiful. The final question is if you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, which
0: song would you choose? Oh, I'd love that. I would love it if Songs played every time I walked into a room. Um, Beyonce's run the world.
1: Love it. I'm always so happy to add another Beyonce song to the For Your Listening Pleasure theme song playlist on Spotify. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's there, right? I think I no. looked real quick to see if not, that one is not there. That it's one. so good. Not
1: that yeah. one. There's a few. And uh, there's been a few times where some guests have said the same song. And what's so interesting to me is they both want to share the same song, but their reasons behind it are so different, which just shows both how music can bring us together, but also how we look at it and interpret it so differently.
0: I love that. Yes. I'm like, yeah, I used to listen to that song before like any interview or any big thing that I had to do, big races I ran. So um, I love that song.
1: Well, Megan, thank you again so much. It's been so lovely and I'm just so excited thank that we connected and thank you, Aaron and Ella.
0: Yes, absolutely. Hype Hype women.